Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast. We do a daily reading of the gospel and a brief meditation. My name is James Thomas, and today is Sunday, April 16th, 2023. It is Divine Mercy Sunday, also the second Sunday in the octave of Easter. Hard to believe Easter's already one week behind us. Today's reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. So this is a very powerful feast day with a very powerful gospel reading. Where does one begin? First of all, if we have been meditating on the gospel each day this week, attending Mass or just meditating on our own, there is an excitement. Of course, Jesus is risen. There's lots of confusion, however. The disciples, I don't know where their minds were. We'll we'll never know till we get to heaven. We can talk to them personally. Some of them were doubting. I'm sure some of them believed, but there were a lot of different dynamics. And even when Jesus did appear, they didn't quite recognize him. And yet there's this growing excitement. They have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit yet on Pentecost, but there is a proof, a vindication. He is risen. All those fears that we had were unfounded. They had gone back to fishing again, going going back to their former lives in a way. Jesus is risen. He's appearing. He's showing himself. And it's not simply that he's back. It's not simply that it's like, oh, yeah, here our friend is back here again. Okay, let's have another dinner. Let's have a party. Let's do this. Let's do that on a human level. No, Jesus is showing them his wounds. Jesus is explaining there is a purpose to this. 
and I have fulfilled my purpose. You don't get it yet, but you're going to get it. I'm going to give you the spirit, but even now in just my appearing to you, I'm trying to show you. So in this particular reading, it's just the fulfillment of so many things, which is uh, apropos that it's in the gospel of according to St. John. John wrote this later. It doesn't mean it's less true. It just means he had more time to meditate on it and write it out in such a way that would convey the deeper meanings on the evening of that first day. So this is actually happening on Easter Sunday, and Jesus has already appeared to other people, but he appears in the upper room. Peace be with you, he says, and then he repeats it. Peace be with you. This is all about peace. I mean, it's an amazing thought right there. Jesus promises us peace in so many different ways. It's a peace this world cannot give. I talk to so many people nowadays that are just so overwhelmed with depression and anxiety, worries about their finances, worries about their kids and the future of the world. Jesus says, I've come to give you peace. This is after he was beaten to death in the most horrible torture one could imagine. This is with Christians are already, they're forming a church and they're being persecuted. Never mind the fact that the Roman Empire rules the world and they're nasty. At least they're nasty to the Jews. Maybe they're nicer in Rome to their own people. I don't know. Jesus says, peace. Are we feeling this peace? No matter what the news will tell us about what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, Jesus says, I'm here to give you peace. Peace be with you. And specifically, it's the fruit of his death and his resurrection. He has opened for us, not just the, the gateway to heaven so that we can get there when we die, but he's now made it possible for us to be redeemed, for us to receive the spirit and be filled with the spirit, thereby being filled with the spirit of peace, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So he says, peace be with you. And then from the, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. We often liken this to when a priest gets ordained and yet they still have to get that letter from the bishop stating that they have faculties for saying mass, for hearing confessions, for anointing the sick, etc., for preaching. So Jesus, we believe, ordained them at the Last Supper. And in the act of ordination, it was also their faculties for being able to say mass, if we're getting very canonically technical here, when he said, do this in remembrance of me, and just understanding with deeper study the full import of those words, he's establishing them as priests, and he's enabling them to consecrate the Eucharist and to offer the Eucharist to the Father, which is essentially what the mass is. But now he's giving them more faculties. Peace be with you breathing the Holy Spirit on them, and now saying, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. He's giving them now the ability to absolve sins. This is the fruit. Another, once again, it's the fruit of his death and his resurrection. This is what Jesus was all about. If we take a close reading of the Gospels, it was all about forgiveness of sins, but he had to pay the price in order for it to really happen fully. So, He's giving us that. He's giving us the, the, the reality of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation in the church. Later, 
We're going to hear him say, you, uh, you know, to lay the hands, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. It's through the letter of James. It, it tells us that the Lord said that. And that's going to come at the end. Also, when he says, go out and baptize. So he's giving them their faculties little by little to do his works, to convey the Holy Spirit to them. And in the Holy Spirit being given through the sacraments, that conveys salvation, not just for heaven, but for this world as well being filled with God's presence, thereby being able to do the works of God, being able to be a follower in union with Jesus, being able to say, Lord, give me your peace. Lord, I'm, I'm agitated. And you know what? We might not even have to ask if we're flowing with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to church, we're receiving communion. If we're reading his word, if we're spending time in prayer, if we're praying the rosary, we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These things fill us with the Spirit. They drive out the spirit of Satan who causes all of our agitations. So Jesus comes in his power and he shows them his wounds. This is also crucial. And of course, the whole thing with Thomas, the back and forth, that's meant for all of us, not just for our unbelief. I mean, that's the obvious part of it. Poor Thomas, he gets a bad rap here. But who, you know, if the other disciples, if one of them had been missing, it probably would have been the same story. It just happens to be Thomas. Later, when Mary is assumed into heaven, Thomas is also missing from that. And so uh, there's a lot revealed because of Thomas. Thomas comes back. He says he wants to see his mother, Our Lady, one more time. And they open up the tomb and the tomb is empty. And then they witness Jesus taking her body and soul into heaven. This is written in ancient documents, and it was always the tradition of the church right from the very beginning that this had happened, and the apostles testified to it. So, but this is now the first day. (laughs) This is still Easter. Jesus is showing them his wounds. He's revealing to them what I've done and now how I've conquered it, and it's through those wounds that you will find peace. Through those wounds, you will find confidence. You will find forgiveness. You will find everything you need. It's through the wounds. The wounds are our entryway into heaven. We enter heaven through those wounds. There is no other way to get to heaven. If somebody of another faith or etc., not that I want to get off on a huge tangent here, but I mean, if anyone else is saved outside of Christianity, it's still going to be through those wounds. Somehow, in some way, the, you know, the Lord can work all this out. He's bigger than all this. But it's still through the wounds. That's the way he did it. He paid the price for our sins. The devil hates those wounds. There have been times when the devil has appeared to people pretending to be Jesus. One was in the case of St. Teresa of Avila. And she knew immediately that that was the devil and that it wasn't Jesus because, and the devil said, how did you know it was me and it wasn't Jesus? And she said, because my Lord has holes in his hands and in his feet. The devil will not imitate that because he hates those wounds more than anything. Where the blood flowed, that's where the devil was conquered, and that's where we are saved. So hence, we have this feast of divine mercy. We, many of us, most of us, I would hope, are familiar with the image of divine mercy, And in particular, we have the open heart of Jesus. Divine mercy devotion is very similar to the sacred heart devotion where Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary. 
and he reveals his heart. He reveals his, his wound, how his heart was wounded. Blood and water flowed out of his heart. It's a parallel to Adam and Eve. Adam was put to sleep. His side was open. Eve was created from the side of Adam. Now Jesus falls asleep on the cross. Blood and water flow out. The water of the baptism, the blood of the Eucharist. And from that, the church is made. The bride of Christ is made from the side of Christ. So many beautiful things that the saints have given us over the years to meditate on. And so in the divine mercy image, we see the open heart of Jesus. But instead of seeing blood and water per se, we see two rays, the rays of his mercy coming out of his heart. One represents the water. That's the white ray. And then there's a red ray representing his blood. These are the rays of his mercy. And he appeared approximately 100 years ago to St. Faustina. And he said that the Divine Mercy Diary, it's a thick book, but it's an easy read. I recommend everybody to read it. It's filled with so many amazing things. Even if you want to get the edition that has the words of Jesus either in bold or in italics and just read the words of Jesus. I mean, it's wonderful to read her story as well, Sister Faustina, but just to read the words of Jesus. He says in so many words, my mercy is the solution to the problems of the world. Do we think of that? I think sometimes we have trouble thinking of these things because we think only about ourselves and how it applies to me. But we need to think of ourselves and the bigger picture. It starts with us and then it moves on to the bigger picture. We lead by example and our prayers are essential for the world. And Jesus is saying, my mercy can heal everything. It's my mercy. For the sin of abortion, which has just devastated our world morally and and culturally and in so many other ways, you know, this is an area where Paul VI really hit the nail on the head, talking about the contraceptive mentality that he pro- he predicted would destroy family life. He was right. He All his predictions came true. And that abortion and contraception are very much linked, except one takes the other one even further. This idea that sex is just for recreation, it's, it's not sacred. It's not for the building up of a family. It's not for the building up of husband and wife, man and woman. So anyway, we've destroyed our families and our society. We've destroyed sexuality. We've destroyed the things that are the most sacred and life-giving. And we've destroyed our peace as a result. Mother Teresa used to say, if we can kill our children, what's to stop us from killing each other in the streets? And she was right. It's happening all over the place. We no longer have respect for human life. When I talk to people about abortion or maybe other similar issues, they it's, it's not even an issue anymore in so many of these arguments about whether or not it's murder, whether or not it's life. Now it's a question of, yeah, I know it's a human life, but we should still be able to kill it. That's what people are saying. So we're so far gone. And Jesus says, it's my mercy. My mercy is the solution to all this. My mercy can bring back peace into the world. My mercy. You know, when we have a situation, let's just say where someone has hurt us and the thing is, the more we get hurt, the more we, we put our guard up, the more we're quick to, to lash out and react. And we're given situations in our lives every single day where when there's a conflict between ourselves and another person, we could attack 
We could try to get revenge very often in our fallen state. That's what we want. Or there is another solution. And I don't say this is like pie in the sky kind of, you know, empty words here. But what I mean is when you strive to connect with that other person, it can be really hard at first. But when you strive to connect and listen, even if just for a brief moment, then it's possible that you can forgive more easily. You can understand where that other person's coming from. Even if they're coming from a horrible place, it might lead them, because you're making an effort, it might lead them to apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry I talked to you that way. I'm sorry I did this. I'm just stressed out about this other thing. I'm just in a hurry, uh, this or that. But we don't connect anymore. We just, and who knows in the history of the world what they did, but we're so accustomed to this push-button society where we're leaving uh, you know, comments on Facebook threads. Instead of saying, hey, you know what, um, and, and we call this assertiveness. There's aggressiveness, which is not good. There's the opposite extreme of, you know, fear, letting people walk all over you. Sometimes people think that's what it means to be a Christian, but that doesn't necessarily solve problems. And then there's that middle of the road, assertiveness, where we approach another person and say, hey, I noticed, you know, such and such happened. I, I heard you said this. Can we just talk about that? How you doing? Because I'm I'm a little hurt, but I, like I understand maybe you were going through something or or even just to give a little compliment like, oh, you know, I, I like this thing that you said. But then this other thing, I, I'm just wondering about that. And I was wondering if we can connect and just kind of talk it through and, you know, acknowledging even that it's OK for us to have disagreements. But see, that's all mercy. And especially when we can get Jesus into the conversation, especially when we can bring him in and say, oh, well, you know what? I I don't know. However we do it, we have to discern and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us that we each need forgiveness and therefore the people around us need forgiveness. But when we can get that forgiveness in there, when we can make those connections, then what happens is um, we're able to have peace in ourselves and with the other person. It's so easy to just lash out, but with a little extra effort, we can make a connection. We can say, well, this is what I'm feeling. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? I noticed you did this. I don't know. There's different ways. And I think sometimes when we take the initiative to just make the connection and and just acknowledge like, oh, you're here, I'm here. We're both human beings. Let's talk a little bit instead of treating each other like objects, which we so often do. Uh, mercy can enter in there. We, we need openings for that mercy. But these are just little examples of where mercy can enter in and mercy can be our healing, our source of healing. Jesus said, my mercy is the remedy for the world. If countries can talk to each other, maybe they can avoid war. If there's ways of just saying, hey, let's, you need this and I want that. Let's, let's work out a deal, whatever, you know, let's, let's somehow come to a compromise. Uh, respecting each other's backgrounds. Sometimes that's very often what I do. I, I, you know, if I'm struggling with a person or a group of people or whatever, just to start asking questions. Oh, is this what this is? Is this what this means? What's the history of that? Where does that come from? Oh, wow, that's really cool. So this goes back. So this was something that your father was into or your grandparents or, or this is something, you know, your country of origin. This is, this is how they do things. Oh, that's cool. Let me learn more about that. Let me tell you about how my country does it. I don't know. Um, but it's mercy. And the mercy begins with us. In other words, you can't give what you don't have. So, so many of us haven't been to confession in forever. So many people. Jesus on this day promises 
a full, uh, not just remission of sins, but remission of all punishment due to sin. If one, uh, you know, fulfills all the requirements for the indulgence, prayers for the Holy Father, attending mass, receiving communion, going to confession within eight days or seven days, I believe. And there's a lot of other opportunities to receive that indulgence, but this is one of those days, Divine Mercy Sunday. So, so much grace is poured out and mercy heals. Jesus came to heal. As we're, as Jesus is walking around and he's, he's curing people, raising up the dead, expelling demons, he's always trying to get it in there. Yes, your sins are forgiven. This is the more important thing. This is where the true healing happens. If we experience mercy, then we experience maybe some gratitude that our sins are forgiven. So we don't want to be so quick to judge everybody else. Once again, the mercy, the mercy comes from almighty God. So that image of divine mercy, they say, this was revealed to Sister Faustina, that that particular image that conveys the divine mercy with the rays coming out of Jesus's heart, that is a picture of him coming out of the tomb. That is a picture of him on Easter Sunday. It's dark all around him because he's in the tomb, but he's coming out. He's fully alive and his side is open. It was opened by the soldier's lance. And now he's on a mission to bring mercy and love and joy and peace. It comes out of his heart. One thing before wrapping up here, I just want to mention one of the things that I am most um, impressed by in the Divine Mercy Diary. One of the things that really strikes me the most when I read it is how Jesus speaks of, and you know, this is maybe common sense for a lot of us, but it's something we often don't think of when we're practicing our faith about how he is present in the sacraments, plain and simple. Like I say, we can, oh yeah, I know that. Intellectually, yeah, we, we understand that. But he's there. He says, I long for you. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. And he longs to be with us. And he longs for us to be right with each other. He longs for our hearts and our souls to be in the state of grace. And so he says in the confessional, I'm here not to, as your judge, later on when you die, I will be the judge. But now I'm in that confessional and I am longing for you to come in and confess your sins. I am in the Eucharist and I'm longing for you. How very often you receive me, you're not in the state of grace. And even if you are, you're distracted. You receive me like I'm a dead object, he says. And yet he says, I am your God of mercy. I died for you. I love you so much. I created you and I thought of you before the world began and I created you out of love and I desire to bond with you in Holy Communion. He asks us for our attention. He asks us for our confession of our sins. He wants to be one with us. He wants to pour so many gifts and graces into our hearts that we may experience his peace. He wants to wipe away our sins. So these are some great things to meditate on. And like I say, there's so much more to the divine mercy devotion that comes from St. Faustina in Poland so many years ago, yet it's now a feast of the church. We're trying to focus on it more and more, trying to open up various ways to receive that mercy, that gift. We have the divine mercy chaplet, which has so many promises attached to it where we just, you know, remind the Father about, not that the Father needs to be reminded, but for our sake, we say for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. We ask the Father's mercy based on what Jesus did for us. We repeat it 
in that repetition, we are brought more and more deeply into the mystery. And they say there's just so many great things that come from reciting that chaplet, such as conversion at the time of death for ourselves and for those that we love that we're praying for. And then once again, there's endless stories in the past hundred years about people praying that chaplet for a hardened sinner at the moment of their death. And before the person died, they repented and they asked forgiveness. So, so many beautiful things. So we continue to rejoice. This is the eighth day of Easter, the the completion of the octave. So this is not a day for sadness. This is a day for joy. Let us rejoice in our Savior and what he's done for us. And let us uh, just continue to be grateful. He's risen. He's conquered sin and death. He's opened his heart to us. He's given us his mercy. And now we can live truly in the freedom of God's children. I hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.